0: Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, The Good Life, Grounded in Justice, and is based on Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. It was delivered on Sunday, July 24th, 2022, by Pastor Stephen D. Pierce. Our
1: second reading for today is taken from the book of Micah chapter 6. I'm on page 757 in your pew Bibles. God challenges Israel. Hear what the Lord says, rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains, the controversy of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, and Balaam's son of Beor answered him, and what happened at Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So during the month of July, we are zeroing in on the good life. We're talking about what the good life is all about, and we have so far said that it's not investing in the things that are going to fade away, like good looks or good fortune. That it's not about feeling good, and it's not even about having goods, though most of us in this room have a lot of things. And they're nice things. Um, What we have said is that the good life is found within. And it's rooted and established in a relationship with God, our Savior. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's all lived within the bounds of divine goodness. The good life has been said by other pastors, it's really the God life. The life that is lived in generosity, in empathy, in forgiveness, and today we take a closer look at what justice is all about. The good life, rooted and grounded in justice. Now you hear that word, and I'm sure a thousand images run through your minds. You think of the quotes that you see on the streets. We think of our founding fathers who believed in liberty and justice for all. But what does that mean in a world where right is right, even if everyone denies it and wrong is wrong, even if everyone is for it? What is justice for those who have been aggrieved, who have been hurt, whose lives have been disrupted by violence? Think of those who are walking the empty streets in Ukraine right now and are running, fleeing, for safer horizons. What does justice look like for them? And in town here in Grand Rapids, we see the signs, no justice, no peace. Justice delayed is justice denied. When I think of justice, I immediately think of Dante's Inferno and the scene where Dante and Virgil, his guide, walk up to the gate of hell. And the inscription above the gate of hell says this, I am the way into the city of woe. I am the way to a forsaken people. I am the way to eternal sorrow. Sacred justice moved my architect. I was raised here by divine omnipotence, primordial love, and ultimate intelligence. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. And so Dante and Virgil walk through the gate of hell and they hear the anguish screams of the uncommitted. It's a horrible scene, and it's gripping and it's haunting, but the gate itself serves to remind those who pass through it sacred justice moved my architect, which means the one who built me was motivated by a love of justice. And didn't we just read that in Psalm thirty seven? Depart from evil and do good, so you shall abide forever. For the Lord loves justice. Now, it could be a minor argument with our children or our grandchildren. (laughs) Or it could be a major tragedy, such as a, a, a fatal shooting. But there needs to be a way for us to usher in sacred justice. People of faith care deeply about injustice and oppression, but we should be motivated by a love of justice. This is the good life. Theodore Parker was a Unitarian minister in the mid-1800s, and in a uh, a sermon published in 1853, he said, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. A lot of people think Martin Luther King Jr. coined that phrase. He didn't. He picked it up in 1958 and he used it repeatedly and it was powerful and effective and preachers and teachers since then have used it. It's not an empty phrase. It speaks of providence that God's will cannot be thwarted. It will win out, if not tomorrow, someday soon. Someday soon. When I think about justice, I think about the book of James, too, and I think about what wisdom really looks like. Maturity in wisdom. It shows in our conduct. It shows in our gentleness. It shows in our mercy. This is what he says. Who is wise and knowledgeable among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. And so such wisdom originates in God the Father, our Creator. And those who want to live the good life grounded in justice are aligned with God's character. They care about the things God cares about. They get angry at the things God gets angry at. They want to treat others fairly, and they want to do what is expected of them. And this brings us to Micah, a passage many of us in this room know well. Many of us have memorized these verses. According to author Brett Younger, 700 years before Jesus Christ, Israel was going through a revival. The temple was crowded, giving was over budget for the first time in years. Everything looked great. It felt great. Life was good, but Micah knew something was really wrong. Something was terribly off. Israel had become complacent, arrogant, and uncaring. The prophet pictured God charging Israel with a crime and then taking them to court. So here God calls the mountains and the hills and the foundations of the earth as witnesses for the prosecution. God's accusation is that they are selfish people. They have forgotten my generosity. I'm the one who led them out of Egypt from the hand of Pharaoh. I did that. I gave them a home. And so as God speaks to the Israelites, he's pleading in in softer tones as a parent to a child who is ignoring the parent's love and advice. And so they hear this accusation. We just read it. They hear it. What do they say? They miss the point. They say, God, what more could you possibly want from us? You want more sacrifices? You want more expensive livestock? Would, 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 a, would a thousand sheep do it? Just how religious can we be? They're religious. Oh, yeah. They're religious, all right. But their idea of religion means what what their idea of religion is that they worship correctly and they avoid those who don't. That's the extent of their religion. And so what does God want? God wants them to do justice. And there's that Hebrew word, mishpat. It's used almost 430 times in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, Mishpat literally means, who is my judge? Who is the Lord of my life? Who exercises authority over me? Sovereignty over me? And the similar meaning Greek word in the New Testament, kresis, is used almost 50 times. To do justice means to act. It means to argue. It means to saunter. It means to pray in such a way that we constantly affirm God as the judge over our lives. So what does God want? God wants the people of Israel to speak up for the downtrodden, for the marginalized, for those whose voice has been shut out, for those who are the little people. Justice is speaking up for those who don't have a voice. Micah, a poor farm boy from a very small town, is speaking up for the disenfranchised in Jerusalem and the other areas. What does God want? To do justice. To love kindness. And here the Hebrew word is hesed. And hesed is loving kindness. It's one thing to do justice, But it's an entirely different thing to do justice with love in your heart. I used to love to watch Judge Judy when I was in college. I had a lunch break. Every day when I was mowing, I used to mow the old golf course. They let it it grow over, but it had to be mowed still. So I would take the Kubota tractor out and mow in the mornings. And um, during my lunch break, I would turn on Judge Judy and just laugh my head off. I mean she's tough and her motto, she's still on TV today, her motto is justice with an attitude. Justice with an attitude. And in a unique way, in the prophetic understanding of real religion, Micah encourages something similar only the attitude he pairs with justice is kindness, loving kindness. In other words, having the right answers is less important to God than showing compassion. What does God want? God wants us to do justice, to to love kindness, to walk humbly with God. And interestingly enough, you can translate walk humbly with God as to live in quiet fellowship with God. Your God. And here, I understand living quiet fellowship with God is simply living one's life and doing the things God would be doing. There are all kinds of opportunities out there for us to be the living presence of God in someone else's life. And it is a quiet, humble connection that we live into and display for others. You know, I read a passage like Micah, and I immediately think, you know what, I have to do these things in order to win God's friendship. I have to do all three of these things in order to be in right terms with God. Or we get the idea that justice, kindness, and humility are tests that we have to pass in order for us to enter our heavenly glory one day. Right? If we don't do all three of these, somehow we're falling short of the standard. But another way to look at Micah 6 is is thinking of what comes from people of faith because of who they are. A peach tree doesn't give peaches in order to prove that it's a peach tree. A peach tree gives peaches because it is a peach tree. Ronald J. Allen tells this moving story of spending a summer in Africa. And and while they were there, they visited a school and met a young student who was at odds with arithmetic. He says, in fact, the multiplication tables and long division seemed to stand between her and the rest of her life. So one day during an exam, her eyes wandered to another student's paper. And then her eyes went up and met the teacher's eyes. Yes, she failed that exam, but more than that, the teacher told her parents that she had cheated. And this was the response her parents made, you, dear one are a Bemba and you're our daughter. You will always be a Bemba and you will always be our daughter. But a Bemba doesn't cheat. We can help you. You're gonna take an extra year in this grade. There are many things that we can do, but whatever we do, we want you to remember that you are a Bemba. Who are you? Who am I? According to the prophet Micah, we are people whom God loves without condition, without reserve, without fail. Micah reminds the people that God didn't free them from slavery because they passed the introduction to liberation course. No, God freed them because God loves them and has entered a relationship with them. What God requires of us is nothing other than what God has already done for us. And as we all know, we live in a world of pain and in hurt. I mean, I just had a a lunch meeting with one of the captains of the Grand Rapids Police Department this, this past week. And the GRPD are still grieving and are still in pain over what happened with that tragic shooting not too long ago, and there have been others since. But more than the shootings, there's so much pain in Grand Rapids. There's so much violence, and we need to address it. We live in a world where people suffer. We live in a world where there's hunger, where people are malnourished. People are starving, even in Grand Rapids. We live in a world where there's prejudice and people are denied their basic human rights. We live in a world where people are in pain and are just waiting for someone to come and tell them they're not alone. The good life grounded in justice concerns the passion that we must have to see that every person has a decent opportunity to live their lives without fear, without prejudice, without hatred. With the opportunity to live life its fullest. Alright, one more illustration and I'm done. Did you see that movie that came out, not but two years ago, called The Old Guard? Did you see The Old Guard? We're introduced to a, a quartet of seemingly immortal missionary soldiers who fight the cause of justice and good. Based on a contemporary comic book series, these four, at the opening of the film, have become tired and dismayed and cynical after centuries of fighting and seeing no discernible improvement in the state of humankind. People are just awful, as one character says, as they ever were. And maybe even today, humanity's worse off. Another character is a scientist and unbeknownst to them, discovered their identities and their gifts and begun tracing their involvement in world affairs for the past 150 years. He points out that while they don't see the immediate effect of their actions, history shows an entirely different story. You saved this boy, he says, pointing to a newspaper clipping. And two generations later, his grandson developed a cure for two kinds of cancer. You saved this family, and they became the ancestors of three relief workers who saved thousands from the effects of a tsunami. And on and on he goes, showing example after example of their impact on the world. And then he says, and this is only the last 150 years. Without saying it, it's the butterfly effect. That is to say, the things we do have impacts, but sometimes we never see them. But they're real. They're out there. It might have been something you said to someone 20 years ago, but it planted a seed of hope, and now they're in a much better place because of your life. Some of you are teachers. You have no idea the impact you have had on students long-term, but you have. Pastors, the same thing. Educators, people who are in the police force, the firefighters. Some of you here showed up at just the right moment when somebody needed you most. And it made all the difference in the world. Who knows what great things will come to pass because at this time and in this place, we have been fighting coronavirus. Uh, Who knows what child left to read a book or watch a documentary on Netflix or simply a chat with his or her parents or grandparents will later inspire to take up um, some great cause that will help thousands of people down the road. The moral arc of the universe is long but it bends toward justice and those living the good life rooted in justice are those who know who they are and whose they are. It's the good life doing justice loving kindness, and walking humbly with our God. Let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you so much for your word today words that inspire words that through your grace may be grafted within our hearts so that they bring forth in us the fruits of the Spirit. Oh God we want to live the good life the God life and we want to live it to the honor and praise of your most glorious name through Jesus Christ our Lord And all God's people say, amen.
0: New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.